Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Why can't DJs play billiards? You know DJs? Why don't they play billiards? Because they always scratch. Two windmills are out in the field. One asks the other windmill, what kind of music do you like? And he says, I'm a big metal fan. (laughs) I I read that one. I had to save that one until second because I knew that was better than the first one. Anyway. If you got your Bibles, open with me to Luke 11. I'm just going to walk through Luke 11 today. Um, it is, if you didn't know it, it is Pentecost Sunday as well as Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Pentecost Sunday, when the church actually started, and I wish I had time to talk about all that, but instead I'm going to talk about, since we're working through the book of Luke, I'm going to talk about prayer. So I ask you a question, what do you really want out of your life. What do you really want out of your life? I had a discussion with a 20-something young lady this past week. She's looking for a man. That's one of the things I guess she said she wanted. I don't know why, but she was looking. Anyway, so I asked her, have you written down the top three non-negotiables? Because if you're going to get married to somebody, you'd think you would know like three things about them that are non-negotiable, right? Have you written those three things down? She's like, no. I said, well, have you ever written down what you want out of your life? And she's like, no. I'm like, well, why don't you? I do this with 20-somethings all the time because you realize that most Fortune 500 CEOs, nearly every Fortune 500 CEO has a written life plan. Do you know one of our issues is we don't have a written life plan. We don't know what we want. So we're sort of like the genie comes to us and says, uh, I'll give you three wishes. Well, I know what my first wish is. I don't even have to go to wish two or three. I know what my first wish is. Do you know what I wish for? Every wish I ever wish for the rest of my life. Any other answer to that question is wrong. Right? Jeannie comes to you. Have y'all never thought about this? You have three wishes. You only have one wish that's necessary, and that is every wish I ever asked for because any other thing is a waste of a wish. Oh, come on. Are y'all even awake this morning? You've never thought about this stuff? So I I say that then, then all you want all your wishes to come true. Anybody, you know, like that? And then I ask you a question. What what do you pray for? If if you really desire things, what do you pray for? What, What are you asking God for? And if, let's ask this question, if all of your wishes came true, what would the world look like? Would you just be more perfect? Or would things change? And I think that's one of the issues that I have with our attitude towards prayer because a lot of us think that all we're supposed to do when we ask in prayer is to make our world better and us skinnier, richer, better looking, more successful, whatever it is. Everyone prays. Did you know that? Everyone prays. Uh, They've done studies on this, and everyone prays. Even atheists pray. They just say they're talking to themselves or something. But 
But there is this point in us where we want something to change, where we want something, and, and we verbalize it or vocalize it. They say there's no such thing as atheists in, in foxholes. I had an uncle that was in uh, Vietnam, remembering Memorial Day this weekend. I, uh, he was in Vietnam, and he was laying underneath the truck changing the oil. He was a CB. He was changing the oil on, on one of the trucks, and a bomb hit their ammunition dump in, in their uh, compound. And it started firing off shells and bombs and everything. And for 18 hours, he lay in this little pit he was in underneath the truck, waiting to die for 18 hours. And he went there as a guy that didn't really have a faith in God. And that moment, he realized that his heart was calling out for help to somebody bigger than himself. We, we saw this, though, as America. De DeMar Hamlin took a shot this past week, uh, past year, playing football, and he got hit in the chest. And he, Do y'all remember that? And, and people who didn't pray started praying. And I believe we as a culture saw a miracle. The NFL, who does everything to dis disown God, now everybody's praying for DeMar, and DeMar, who's dead and should be brain dead after all that, gets up and is walking around and talking about playing in the league again. Wow. Everyone prays. What if all your prayers were answered? Who would be impacted? What would be the impact? And is prayer more than just getting your wishes? So I wanted to, I, I've, I've been noticing, I've been reading through Luke with you as a part of my daily devotions. I've been reading through Luke. I've encouraged you to read the book of Luke. As we work through this entire sermon series, I encourage you to read the book of Luke in your daily devotions. Take a little bit at a time and read it every day. You got 90 days. You can do it. Even if you haven't started up till now, start, start today or start tomorrow and read the book of Luke with us. So some things I've been noticing is Jesus prayed a lot in the book of Luke. He's constantly praying in the book of Luke. And I, I broke it down into two, two things that he's doing. Number one, he's praying for direction. Uh, before every major event in Jesus' life, he is praying for direction. Before the choosing of the 12 disciples, it says in Luke tw uh, 6, 12, one of those days Jesus went on a mountainside to pray and he spent the entire night praying to God. And the next morning, he picked his 12 disciples. What do you think him and God talked about? And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, Luke 9, 28, he took Peter, John, and James with him, went up on a mountain to pray, and there he was transfigured before them, and he's, he's, the glory that he had in heaven was revealed to Peter, James, and John, made a huge impact on him, and, and he came down from the mountain, went straight to Jerusalem to die. Uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke 22 41, he drew about, withdrew about a stone's throw beyond him, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. The next day he died. Yes. Before his revelation as Messiah, Luke 9, 18, once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him. He, he asked them, he asked the key question for, to his disciples, who do you say I am? Who does everybody say I am? Every time there was a big change in Jesus' ministry, in the book of Luke, we find Jesus praying because he received from God affirmation of the direction he was to go. Amen. Connection is the second reason for prayer. Um, I wish I had more time to talk to set up. We're going to be in Luke 11. So the verses directly before Luke 11 are these verses in Luke 10, 41 through 42. 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, few, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. And I think in chapter 11, we're going to get the answer to what that one thing is. This is key because they connect whether you, there were no chapter breaks in the original document. So they, they fed together. And he's saying to Martha, hey, Martha, Mary is chosen to seek the one thing. She, there's only one thing you need. And Mary has chosen the better thing. There's something better to get out of your prayers than you think you're supposed to get out of your prayers. You think it's to get skinnier, taller, hair grow, get six-pack abs, get more money. I don't know what it is you think you're supposed to get, or your kids only, but there's something bigger and better than that. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is the bigger and the better. Because she chose to connect to God to connect with Jesus. Mary chose to connect with Jesus, to sit and to listen and to pursue him and to connect with him. So I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have a phone? If you got a phone, wave at me. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Would you rather have a phone that is the awesomest with every bell and whistle and the best phone ever made, but doesn't connect like you're driving the roads of North Ridgeville? Would you rather have a phone that's awesome and doesn't connect, or would you rather have a simple phone that connects and actually does what it's supposed to do? Most of us are living lives where we're saying, I want more, 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 more options all the time. But we're not connecting to the source that makes the options work. And what I would like to encourage you to do, and I'm being very clear with you right here because God's been dealing with me powerfully this week, and I can't go into it, but he's been dealing with me powerfully about the fact we need to connect with him, and that's the only thing that matters. All right, that being said, would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? Luke chapter 11, starting verse 1. One day, Jesus was doing what? What was he doing? Praying. Wow, it's sort of like an ongoing pattern we're finding out of Jesus. He does a lot, a lot of praying, right? One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, apparently you don't pray like everybody else. <laughs> There's something different about how you pray, because when you pray, you get answers. So, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop. When Jesus prayed... He got answers. Even if it's, hey, Lord, not my will, yours be done. But when Jesus prayed, he got answered. Anybody ever pray, feel like you pray and you don't get much? You like talking to a concrete wall or something? Okay. The disciples noticed that and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Because we apparently don't know what to do. So teach us, just like John taught his disciples. So, Father, I pray that today in this space, in this room, you would teach us to pray. Open our hearts to be more than just average, mundane, oxygen breathers. Would you help us to live for a higher purpose and a higher calling? And a higher vision, we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you turn to somebody close to you? Give them a big smile, maybe a high five, because it's hard to not smile when you get a high five. Come on, if you don't get a high five, somebody's got to do it now. Come on. Online. 
There you go. A big smile at you. All right, so if you got your Bible open, what I'm going to do is I'm going to simply walk through the text. How about that? Can I just walk through it? Well, good. It would help if you had a Bible, wouldn't it? I'm becoming more and more convinced we're biblically illiterate because we put everything on the screen and you become dependent on that. Would you please do me a favor? Would, I, these things still work. You know, they, they, this still works. If you got it on your phone, I don't mind that. I do my devotions every day from my iPad. But, but bring a Bible and let's follow along because you might find something you want to take a note on and you might want to actually mark something and that might be good. All right. There are three parts to Jesus' teaching on prayer. The first starts with a pattern. Jesus provides us with a pattern for prayer. This pattern is not to be rotely prayed. Uh, one of my issues with the Lord's Prayer is it seems that um, we just say it. We don't ever think about it. And I don't believe Jesus told us to say these words and these words are good enough. I think he wants us to think about the words. Are, are you all following me on that? You can say the Lord's Prayer 10,000 times, but anybody ever like... All right, Jesus, thank you for this food. Please bless it. Amen. Do you even think about what you said? No? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Do you even think about it? No? Part of my problem with Christianity is we become so rote in our activity in our prayers that we don't actually stop to think about the prayer. So this pattern is not just a pattern to be prayed in rote form, just saying the words, but it's to think about what Jesus actually wants us to pray about. So let's look at the prayer. And by the way, Luke's prayer is different than Matthew's prayer. A couple, couple reasons for that. I believe, number one, uh, I have been known, believe it or not, after... 30 years in the same pulpit, I have been known to repeat myself. As a matter of fact, my stories are numbered. And one day I, I was just kidding to my staff and I said, I'm going to tell joke number 84. And Pastor Jesse started laughing really, really hard. And Pastor Israel looked over him and said, why is Pastor Jesse laughing so hard? And I said, because he's never heard 34 before. <laughs> anyway, sorry guys. <sighs> yeah. Some of you are looking at me with judgment in your eyes. Stop it already. Let's have some fun. All right. Luke chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus probably said this multiple locations, multiple times. This is Luke recording either one of those times or his abbreviated version of the Lord's Prayer. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father. That's real easy. How about, how about we do that? Can you all say the first word there with me of the prayer? Father. Father. So let's recognize who we're praying to, first of all. Let's recognize who we're praying to. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. I really like... Matthew's version where it says your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think that's a key part of the prayer, but we're not even going to talk about that today. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive the one who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. And that was the totality of Luke's version of the Lord's prayer. So there are some parts that you don't get that you get in Matthew. So can we just work through what... Uh, can we work through what Luke says to pray? All right, let's start with this. It starts with adoration. Father, 
hallowed be your name. Adoration is that moment where you adore or you pay attention to who you're praying to. So when you're praying, the first thing you should do is probably start with, hey, hi, God. Recognize him. You might even want to, when you say hallowed be your name, hallow means that he is holy, he is different, he is separate. You might want to actually call out something that's different between you and him. You know, like, yeah, you're much smarter than I am. Do you know you're not smarter than God, right? We'll, we'll have that sermon later. How about this? You're much bigger than I am. Actually, I don't know whether you're big or not, but all of time and space is within your control, so at least you're in a dimension that's bigger, greater, something different than me. You are holy. You are good. You are loving. You are merciful. Thank you. Or else I'd be dead. Do y'all know how, do y'all see how easy this is? This is how we pray. We stop and we recognize who we're praying to. Second thing is intercession. We're asking for whose kingdom to come? His kingdom to come. Not my kingdom, not my will, not my stuff, not my things. I'm asking for him to reveal his kingdom on this earth. And how would that be? Hey, God, I got this person I love. They're not saved. Would you bring them to a knowledge of you? And God... Right now, there's crazy going on everywhere in our world. And you can mention three or four of those crazy things and say, would you establish your kingdom and your authority over those things? Are are y'all following me? Now, what have we not done at this moment? We haven't talked about you. The first parts of prayer are to talk about God and his purpose. Most of us waste our prayer time by focusing on us first. And if you want your prayers to be heard, the very simple pattern is this. Look up first. Recognize who you're talking to first. And then ask for his work to be done. You might even ask him, what do you want me to pray about? What what do you want to do with your kingdom? And then we get to petition, right? Give us this day our daily bread. That'd be really good, right? God, would you take care of all of our needs? And then we get to confession. Oh, how many of us start here? Am I the only one that I want to start my prayers here? God, I'm so sorry. I'm an idiot. Am I the only person that starts there? I got like four or five of you. All right, all right, all right. You know, you realize you come to God and you're like, oh man, I have really, really not done right. And that's where you want to start? That's not where God says to start. God says to start by thinking about him. Because do you know why you do your stupid stuff? Because you're thinking about you. And, and do you know what brain science is teaching us? That if you want to change behaviors, you change focus in your brain. So it's sort of like Jesus knew this. And he taught us how to renew our brains every day by focusing on God first and his work first rather than our failures or our needs. But notice it's important enough to bring up when you put him in the right place. Confession. Forgive us our sins. But notice there's a second part of this. If you only forgive sins and you don't forgive those who sin against you, you're not going to be forgiven. So you can say all you want to, forgive me, God. 
But if you're still holding unforgiveness towards someone else, you're never going to be forgiven. Woo. All right. And then last, lead us not into temptation. When's the last time you played, prayed that prayer? I, can, can we start a revival by praying for us to not be led into temptation? Not me, us, my kids, my family, the kids at school, the kids that watch TikTok, the kids that are being fed so many lies. Would you lead us not into temptation? Would you help us, me, not to be a part of the problem? Would you lead us, Father, not into temptation? Would you keep temptation from us? Would you silence the evil one? Would you do a powerful work in this world? And would you lead us not into temptation? Now, notice that the pronouns are important as we're finding out in our culture now. Pronouns are important. Notice the pronoun in the first line, your. Notice the pronoun in the second line, your. Notice the pronouns in lines petition, confession, and supplication. What are the pronouns? Us and our. Do you know what that means? It means you spend too much time praying about you rather than us. And part of the reason you're not seeing the answers to prayer and part of the reason you're not walking in the victory you want is you're way too concerned about yourself rather than us. Because what you do affects me and what I do affects you. All right. So, application. Could we take like three minutes and just pray this prayer privately? I'm going to call it out. And I'm going to ask you to take just a second and to pray through it. We're going to practice. Practice? You're talking about practice? Yeah, we're going to practice. Y'all ready? Here we go. Adoration. Father, hallowed be your name. Intercession. Father, I ask that your kingdom would come. Petition that you would give us this day our daily bread. God, don't just give us food, but give us knowledge, give us opportunities. And we recognize you as the provider. Confession, forgive us our sins. God, right now we choose to forgive those who have done us wrong. We call it out by faith. And lead us not into temptation. I pray right now, Father. You would keep temptation far from your body and from your people and your children that we would live 
victorious lives for you. Pray that every person that calls Jesus Christ their Lord, especially in this body, that they would be so free of temptation and so focused on the good of this world that their neighbors would be jealous of them for the wonderful lives they live in you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right, so here, you know what we just did in about three minutes? We just prayed the Lord's Prayer. We just prayed the way Jesus taught us to by focusing and changing our desires. Uh, don't tell me you can't do daily devotions because it just shows you how to do it in about three or four minutes. Read a little bit from Luke and do that. All right? Practice it. Try it. Try it. You'll like it. Hey, Mikey. All right. You got to be old to know that one, right? All right. Where am I at? Number two, the parable. So how do you get an answer to your prayers? Hmm. It's sort of like Jesus knew we would say, well, then I prayed before and it didn't work. Anybody ever said that? I've done that before and it didn't work. Anybody say that other than me? All right. Tons of times. All right. Jesus then immediately addresses the number one issue we have with prayer. You ready for this? Luke eleven five. Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine from journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. Don't bother me. The door is already locked and the children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. And by the way, in those days, houses were not like ours. But even though I can still hear my neighbors talking early in the morning. Anybody else other than me? So they're like outside saying, hey, give me some bread. It's midnight. No, I'm in bed. I don't want to get up. It's cold out there. Hey, give me some bread. Notice this. I tell you, verse 8. Even though he will not get up and give the bread because of his friendship... Yet because of your, and I love this translation, shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, I looked into the Greek of this word. Man, this, the Greek is a lack of sensitivity to what is proper. A lack of sensitivity. Anybody know anybody like that that's ADHD like me? And sometimes you just get a little carried away. And I, I, taught, I found myself talking the other day about 30 seconds longer than the person was even close to me. They were somewhere else in their brain trying to get away, and I just keep going, blah, 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 blah. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. It's all right to have some shameless audacity like that when you're praying. When you're praying, just keep bugging God. Is what, isn't that what that parable says? He's not heard because God loves you so much. God says he wants to hear you because you just won't shut up. Shh, don't tell our kids. That's part of the reason this is age appropriate in here. But we have all heard that kid, right? Daddy, 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 daddy. What do you want? Right? Father, 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 father. Are y'all with me? Do you, know, do you know how long you should pray? Well, Jesus actually told two more parables. You can read about them in Luke 18. Just makes the same statement again. Luke 18, 1. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. And that story is about a widow who just bugs the king to death. Until the king finally says, I don't fear God or man, but I can't put up with this crazy woman anymore. Give her whatever she wants. Do you know that's how you're supposed to pray? 
Some of you thought, well, I prayed and God didn't do anything. Well, you obviously didn't pay attention to how Jesus said to pray. Just keep bugging God till he's tired of you. Finally, you'll look down from heaven and say, can you shut up already? When you get to that point, it's all right. Um, Luke chapter 18, verse 14. There's a story about a self-righteous Pharisee who stood up and prayed, I'm so grateful that I'm awesome and wonderful. My prayers always sound right. And thou knowest it's in kingest James's Englisheth. Therefore, I am more awesometh than anyone else'th. And, and you, know what, you know what Jesus said? He said there was a guy standing over the corner that stood there and said, Oh God, I don't deserve anything. Have mercy on me. And Jesus said that that guy, the guy that was praying from his heart rather than his ego was heard. Our problem with some of our prayers is we think our prayers have to be prayed from our ego rather than our heart. So, if I understand Jesus correctly, he wants you to bug him until he does something. Now, hold on, I don't think you got that. Jesus, multiple times, teaches us to bug him until he does something. I have older kids. They're very, very busy in their lives. I would rather call them to call me to bug me about something than I had not to hear from them. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes Jesus says, well, <laughs> I just won't give them what they're asking for because at least they're calling. <laughs> Maybe if you get in the habit of calling, he might give you an answer. Bug him. I read this quote. I, oh, by the way, I used to do church planters. I would, I would interview them, and I, I was actually one of the people that would say, you can't church plant or you can. And one of the things that was based upon, one of the questions I asked, that was a knockout question. And if they answered no to this question, they were knocked out. They were not allowed to church plant. One of the questions I asked is, have you prayed for something for over a period of years that God hasn't given you. And if they have not been praying for something they haven't received an answer to, I know they are not going to stick through the hard times of church planting. But I can also say this about your Christianity. If you're not praying for something that God hasn't answered yet, as soon as things get tough, you're going to find an excuse rather than press through. And I want to read you a quote I read. I, I thought this quote, it was a commentary I read, and it says, it's not that God is unwilling to be pressed into answering. The whole context makes it clear that he is eager to give. Hold on. The whole context makes it clear that he is eager to give. But if we do not want what we're asking for enough to be persistent, we don't want it very much. So the purpose of prayer, let's come to the purpose of prayer. The third part, the third movement is the reason we pray. It's important to ask, we found out, even to the point of no, uh, annoyance. But do you know what we're not supposed to do? We're not supposed to demand, we're supposed to ask. And there's a difference here. Demanding, I hear so many Christians talk to God like he's their vending machine. I put this verse in, this prayer in, and I expect to get this out. And if that's your view of God, then you have made God your servant rather than you being God's servant. 
So we're not to demand from him, even in all of our persistent asking, we're to still continue to ask. And Jesus encouraged us to be persistent and annoying in our asking, but not petulant in our demanding. Amen. That's good parenting there too, by the way. If your kids continue to ask, you might want to give it to them. As soon as they start demanding, they need discipline. Yes. Yes. All right. Are y'all awake this morning? Yeah. All right, Luke 11. Y'all, y'all ready? Luke 11, 9. So I say to you, this is Jesus saying, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Knock, you know, like the illustration he just gave, the parable he just gave. Notice the verbs. The verbs are not demand. The verbs are not to be a jerk. The verbs are to be petulant, uh, not, not to be petulant, but to be uh, it, ongoing and, and, and unyielding in your asking, your seeking, and your knocking. Unyielding, if you will, in your asking, seeking, knocking. And then he says this, you ready? Um, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be open. Which of you, fathers, hey dads, which of you, if your son asks you for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or which of you asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And I read a, a commentary that talked about that, that, you know, a, a rolled up scorpion looks like an uh, egg, and that they would often catch water snakes in their fishing nets. And anyway, I just thought that was interesting. But what he's saying is, if your kid asks you for something, you're not going to trick him, are you? You're not going to give them something bad in case of something good. So as a good father, God desires to give good gifts. And what he wants is a relationship with you that's more important than the stuff, and that relationship will then be the source of all the stuff that you ask. So if God were to give you every prayer you ask, how would you know it's from him if you don't ask him? Think of all the things God gives you that you don't ask for. So I'm, what God is saying is, I want a relationship with you, and if you'll ask me, then you'll know when I grant it, you get it. So I got a, my youngest daughter, she was captain of her high school volleyball team. A good player, real good player. Uh, but she went up her, her junior year and went up and came down wrong after hitting a spike and came down wrong and shattered the top of her uh, tibia. I just so many breaks they, they yeah it was just shattered she tore the meniscus into and tore ACL so here we got a girl that she's you know expecting to go on and play college and her knee is just trashed so she was out of the volleyball season and um, she was mad at God about it anybody ever been there so here she is she's mad and she prayed this prayer. She prayed to God. And, and I quoted her. I got her words so I could get her exact words. She said, and I quote, Since I don't believe you're really going to do anything. <laughs> it's a great way to start a prayer, right? Since I really don't believe you're going to do anything. If you're so big, you wouldn't let this happen. Her attitude is, you wouldn't let this happen if you really cared, right? But she said, well, since you're so big... And I don't think you're going to do anything now anyway. You can at least heal my meniscus so I don't have to be on crutches for two months after my surgery. So she goes in for surgery. We have an MRI of the meniscus being torn into. She goes in for surgery. The wound, the, the broken 
tibia had healed. The ACL was still broken. But do you know what the doctor said? He could find, he could find no evidence of a torn meniscus. After the drugs were off, she was laying in, in the chair, of course, thinking about it, and she said, she heard God speak to her, clear as a bell, and said, you still think I'm not big enough? Answered prayer is about building a relationship. And she told me that it was through that moment that she gave her heart to Christ. One, one more. We're heading back to college. It's been a rough time for her. She doesn't even want to go back to college. And she's driving to Missouri, and she wasn't going to live on campus. She didn't really like it on campus, and college sometimes is really rough on kids, and it was rough on her. Anyway, she, we're going back. She's renting a house, and she's living with a couple of friends. So we threw her mattress in the back of my truck and drive out to Missouri. Well, it's August, and it's beautiful, and we're driving and everything. But we get to demon-possessed Missouri. And they have the world's worst rain clouds that come over St. Louis. I'm not sure if you've ever dealt with St. Louis, but they're horrible. I mean, it's like downpour out of nowhere and the streets are flooded and the whole thing. And we're driving along with her mattress in the back of my truck and we get to Missouri and one of those downpours start. So we quickly find a place in a, you know, a gas station, pull underneath it, tarp it as best we could, but there was no real tarping it. Come on. And come on, you know, it's a mattress sitting this way. And we're sitting there, and, uh, and, and she prays, God, don't let my mattress ruin and get wet. So we get a break, and I say, let's go for it. And Robin's saying no, and I said, no, let's go for it. I get, I get those sometimes. We start driving and we're watching on my phone. We're watching on my phone the radar. And I-44 goes like this. And literally, as we're driving, the rain clouds are doing this. And we drive all the way through those storms, watching them do this. Part around us and close behind us. Miracles happen. God does them. But sometimes he gives those to tell you, I still am here and I still care. If God were to do a miracle, would you pay attention enough to have your faith shrinking? So here's the summary. This is what it's all about. All of this prayer we talked about, Jesus gave a summary, Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much will your Father in heaven give the answer to every prayer you pray? Is that what it says? No, what does it say? Give the what? To those who ask him. Maybe, just maybe, the goal of your prayers is not to get all your prayers answered, but to develop a relationship with a God who wants to live in you and do the impossible through you. What if your Christianity was not about you just going to heaven, but if your Christianity was about living with such power in your life right now, right now, that you impacted everyone in your world through the power of the Holy Spirit? 
I, um, I picked this book up. It's written by a friend of mine, actually. I played basketball with him in college and got to know him a little bit. He's a year ahead of me. His name's Jeff Leak. And uh, it's called Power for Life. I started this book Friday morning. I finished it. <laughs> I, I read a book in two days. Yes. Why would I do that? Because as I began to read it, I became overwhelmed with the fact that most of us don't live in the power of the Spirit the way we should. So can I tell you a story in this book? Is that all right? The story is one Saturday night, he was awakened. Because we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He was awakened, had a dream about a tall blonde lady that was manifesting a demon. And he was disturbed, so he woke up and he began praying about it. And as he began praying about it, the Holy Spirit, through a series of events, began to speak to him that the lady was clutching something here. And this necklace around her neck was symbolic. And if she would give up this, the demonic power would leave her. This happens on a Saturday night. He's so crazy, he believes it's from God. He goes in and wakes his wife up. <laughs> and he says to her, hey, dear, I'm going to be ministering tomorrow, and I won't be able to deal with this woman when she comes in, but I believe she's going to come in, and when she does, she's going to start manifesting a demon. When she does, this is what you're going to do. You're going to ask her if she's willing to surrender the necklace. Now, that's pretty crazy faith, isn't it? Can I, can I throw a sideline in here? When Saturday morning I woke up, Ron White was in the hospital. He just had surgery. And uh, he was supposed to go home that day from surgery. And I woke up about 7 o'clock in the morning. And I go uh, 6.37, somewhere like that. I go get a shower. I come back out. I say to my wife, I don't even wake her up. I, she looks over at me and says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to go visit Ron White. And she said, why are you going to do that? He's going to go home today. And I said, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I need to do it. So I got in my car and I drove over and I walked through the door of Ron White's room. He had had surgery and somehow they had nicked his intestine and all of the bile had been feeding into his body and he crashed when I walked through the door. He I'm talking probably 30 minutes away from death crash when I walked through the door. Now, I wasn't there to pray some great miracle over him. I was there to comfort his wife and daughter and to get them taken care of. So the nurse that I heard yell at the doctors what needed to happen, and they weren't paying attention. And finally, this nurse, not, compassionate though she was, she was paying attention to Ron's wife and daughter until I came in, and then she diverted her attention this way because I took care of them. And she said to them, she argued and saved Ron's life. If she had not argued to save his life, he would have died that day. And it all happened because I woke up early and just felt like I should go visit Ron Wyatt. Some of these impressions you get are from God. So let's go back to the story of Jeff. Jeff walks through the door. He's uh, standing in the lobby. He looks up and <laughs> standing next to his wife. And he looks up and sees her walk through the door. And he says, that's the woman I saw in my dream. So Melody, his wife, goes over, starts talking to this lady. And as she's talking to her, uh, the lady begins to manifest demonic forces. And she said, hey, can we go in a quiet room and talk and pray? So they go in the room. 
And every time she starts manifesting, she reaches up and grabs the, puts her hand up here. And Melody, no, having been warned by her husband, what's going on, says, would you give me that necklace? Because every time you, you start going into one of these, you touch the necklace. And she says, this necklace was given to me by, by my boyfriend who sexually, physically, and emotionally abused me. And then he left me and I don't know what to do with my life. And Melody says, would you give me that necklace? And she gave her that necklace. And that morning the lady got saved, got delivered, and started living a life of productivity and restoration and healing. And I'm, I'm, the reason I tell you these stories is there is a relationship with the Holy Spirit that you can have that you're not going to have if you're okay just to be normal Christian. If all you're trying to do is get to heaven, you're never going to step into this world and this power. I am not okay being normal. And I'm not all right with you being normal. So what I would like us to do at the end of this service is two things. Would you bow your heads with me very quickly? I want to ask a question. If you're in this space and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you want to do so. Today is your day. Right now is your moment to be saved. If that is you and you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ, lift your hand really high. I want to pray with you right now. Yes. Yes. Are there others? Nobody prays alone at Harvest Ridge. All of us pray together right now. You ready? Dear Jesus. I want you. I want your power and I want your victory. Would you forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness? Make me your child. I want to live for you. I give you my life. Now give me your life. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, Jesus Christ became your Lord. There's a table at the back. Make sure you drop by the table and talk to them in the back today because we want to follow up with you and tell you the way to go. Now, for everybody else in this room, listen to me. There is a power of the Holy Spirit we are not walking in. And I want to invite you today to pray a simple prayer with me. You ready? Holy Spirit, fill me today. Just fill me. And there are some of you, you need to spend some time. You need to come to this altar. You need to spend some time seeking God. You need to maybe make an altar out of the place where you are. But we've got a couple of minutes. Would you just take a few moments? And over the next couple of moments, would you just begin to seek God and ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit and power? Ask him, Father God, fill me with the Holy Spirit and power. Jesus, you said you would send us another, the comforter like you, someone like you, the paraclete, to walk along with us, to be beside us, to fill us. Let us now seek you in the name of Jesus. Would you stand with me and let's sing the song. If you need to come to this altar, please do so. Let's make an altar out of this place and let's seek God for all the power of the Holy Spirit.